Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pegnata here with you guys, as always, and we are back for another recruiting edition of the podcast, which means, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Zach Hubbard is back yet again, and this time, finally, we can talk about Javari Ritzy being a Tar Heel because for the longest time, we have thought that... This was coming. We heard so many times there was a silent commitment from him to Carolina, but finally this past week he pulled the trigger and now Carolina has one of the biggest players in the state of North Carolina committed uh, along the defensive line and he's a guy that I think everybody should be excited about. So, uh, you know, Zach, I know this news was something that we weren't really caught off guard with because we kind of knew that it was, uh, you know, he was really favoring Carolina as he got later into his recruitment. But uh, I think at this point, it definitely has to be some sort of relief that he's finally committed and and, and kind of ended uh, all of the concern that somebody would sneak in back door and, and, and take over his recruitment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since the spring, like you said, um, Carolina's felt good about its chances in this recruitment, but it was really a situation in which we saw a lot of flirtation, whether that be in interviews or on social media or his interactions with other commits where we thought, you know, he feels good about the school. He's obviously very close with a lot of the guys that Carolina's already brought on board. You know, what's the holdup? So there's a lot of time between, you know, the spring up until now where Carolina fans were really sort of, you know, chomping at the bit to see sort of when this guy was going to hop on board, what's the issue, what's the weight, is someone else getting in the mix? So, you know, it, it was really great to, you know, finally have a commitment date and finally see him join the Tar Heels, which, like you said, um, has been the prediction for quite a while. Um, just like you've mentioned, just about every show we've said, you know, if there's going to be an upcoming commitment, more likely than not, it's going to be Javari Rizzi in this time. That happened to be the case. Yeah, and I mean, Carolina, I feel like, was, you know, really in the driver's seat 
from the turn of, of, of the end of the season. It felt like Carolina was that team that was there. I think the team that most people got a little concerned about at a time was Tennessee. But as we know, with Tennessee, they've kind of filled up really, really quickly. But I feel like, you know, once he set his commitment date, I feel like everybody kind of just knew that uh, Carolina was the place he was going to go, barring something unbelievably shocking. Um, and the big thing is, is now you get a guy in this class that is, you know, a, a kind of a need at strong side defensive end. I know that they've hit that area really hard the last two recruiting classes, but you can never have too many guys on the defensive line, especially not a guy as talented as Ritzy, a guy that is a composite four-star, ranked as the number 142 overall player as of today on 24-7 sports. Um, uh, composite rankings, of course, uh, there were some updates that came out um, just this past, uh, I think actually yesterday they came out uh, from Rivals. So uh, some of that stuff is, is, is really up to date. But I mean, he's just a complete overall prospect um, that really fits what Carolina is looking for on the defensive line. And I think really pairs well with a guy that they got earlier in this class in Keyshawn Silver. Um, you know, when you throw on the tape of Javari Ritzy, what's the first thing that, that stands out to you about his style of play? Well, I, I do want to mention first off, like you said, I do think he's a really good complement for what they already have in defensive line with Keyshawn Silver. I think Keyshawn Silver, um, you know, both will most likely play, um, you know, at the height of their career, at the peak, whether it's upperclassmen or what have you. You know, they'll more likely than not play that four-eye defensive end position. But um, with Keyshawn, you know, he's a little bit more of the, I would not say, I wouldn't say pure pass rusher, but he's a little bit quicker, you know, on the edge while Ritzy uh, uses his frame and his size a little bit more to set the edge. And I think sort of what you see, you know, in his film, first and foremost, is his, his athleticism. Um, on his profile listed at six four and a half, two seventy four. 274. So, you know, he's got this big body. He's got a big frame, obviously strong. I think one of the things that stuck out to me was uh, his straight line speed. It's pretty impressive, honestly, which is not something that we discuss a lot in terms of defensive linemen. But um, I, I think, you know, you can just see this is a high-level athlete. This is a guy um, that really just has, um, you know, they talk about talent versus skill. He's got all the talent in the world on the defensive line and is really just a good guy um, that you want to mold into, you know, an elite defensive lineman. Uh, one thing that I did want to mention, one thing that really stuck out to me in a prior um, article, prior piece from uh, 247 Sports um, with Steve Wolfong. Steve Wolfong is a big fan of Jabari, and one of the things that he sort of referenced was um, 24-7 Sports has a new service that they're sort of partnering with uh, that does sports analytics on high school prospects. It's called Tracking Football. And they have this algorithm that they use that they rank the athletes um, on a scale of from zero to five. So five being a perfect score. Um, the line for you know a power five kid is about three. So your average college athlete is going to be at a three, um, while you know a draft pick is going to be um, roughly a three point three is is where they mark that for the average draft pick. Um, mm -hmm. And Ritzy was a perfect five on that measurement. So wow. you know high praise. They put him in sort of the athletic. Um, category as a Julio Jones or a Bo Jackson, which, I mean, you throw those names out there, you're talking about some of, you know, the greatest athletes that we've seen, you know, in the sport of football with those guys. So I think that he's got a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of tools there. 
Um, I think the main key for him will be continuing to develop um, the technique, specifically pass rushing technique, usage of his hands, things like that. But, you know, the sky's the limit for Javari on the football field. And, you know, just a guy that I'm really excited to pair with Keyshawn Silver. Yeah, I mean, his athleticism is definitely something that uh, I think, you know, when you look at, I, one of the things that I think is going to be most misleading when you look at his numbers is if you go in and, and, and look at his profile on 24-7 sports, um, it shows that he ran a 40 of, of a 5-1-3 last year. Now, of course, you know, we, we were hoping that we were going to get to see him run here uh, sometime during the summer, but um, we it, it looked like that was probably going to come sometime later on this year either in Atlanta or here in Charlotte whenever uh, they did uh, the uh, opening regional camps. Um, But unfortunately, uh, those were canceled due to everything that's been happening with COVID-19. So I think that's something that's kind of misleading. But I noticed that as well when I threw on the film. He plays a little bit faster than than that number suggests. Um, One of the things that really stood out for me about him, uh, I was definitely shocked at how physical he is. He's not a guy that has a frame that you would think he's going to be able to use his physicality as well as some of these other guys that we see. I mean, even a guy like, uh, you know, in, in, in this past class, A.J. Beattie, who had a little bit more weight on him. Um, you know, it's guys like that that you would look at and say, okay, those are going to be the more physically natured type of guys. But, you know, I think Ritzy really kind of shocks you with that when you throw it on. And the one thing, the, there, there's another thing that I really love about him, and, and I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it depends on who you go with and, and the mindset that they take towards, um, you know, the defensive side of the football. You know, there's a couple of guys in this class like Power Eccles, like Ra-Ra Dilworth, who are guys that are going to take risks on plays, but they're going to make a lot of huge plays. When it comes to Javari Ritzy, he's not a guy that takes a lot of risk, but he's a really, really smart player. So he's not a guy that maybe the numbers are always going to jump off the page, but he's never a guy that's going to get caught out of position. He's a guy that is going to know what his assignment is, and he's going to do that for you. And I think Carolina is really going to appreciate that on their defensive line. And the other thing, you know, there, there were two things that you just really can't teach guys. It's just something that they have to have. You, you talked about the athleticism. It showed up a couple of times on film when he's having to go down the field and chase down running backs that are are able to break into the second level. He's not a guy that gives up on plays, which is something that you always love to see, especially from defensive linemen. Um, and that's just something that, you know, prior to this past year at Carolina, we didn't really see a whole lot because defensive side of the football, it just, it, they had so many struggles that your defensive linemen really weren't the guys getting downfield to make tackles. You were relying on your secondary to make tackles. Uh, and, and Ritzy, I think, is one of those guys that can help solve that as a guy that stays in the play no matter what. Um, And, you know, I think one of the other things that uh, you know, just jumps out on his film. Not not always going to get to the quarterback, um, but definitely a guy that has learned get your hands up because if you do, you can knock down uh, those balls at the line of scrimmage. And you know, I, I looked on twenty four seven sports, and this is another cool thing that they're really doing uh, this year. And I, I know it's kind of you know been something they've been doing over the last couple of years, but since we really haven't had guys that have been at this level quite you know quite uh, 
as often. We've had one or two guys that have kind of jumped up there, but they do the player comparisons. And the guy that Brandon Huffman, who does a really great job for 24-7 sports, compared him to, I think should really excite Tar Heel fans. And that's Jeffrey Simmons, the former defensive lineman out of Mississippi State. Really physical player. Um, I think, you know, Montez Sweat was the guy that always kind of got the recognition for Mississippi State. But Jeffrey Simmons was a really, really good defensive tackle. Um, Now, of course, Ritzy will really translate to more of that four-eye defensive technique. Mississippi State ran two defensive tackles because they ran the 4-3 front. So it's not the wildest comparison. But really, I mean, if he can somewhat even live up to what Jeffrey Simmons was at Mississippi State, there's a lot of things to be really excited about with Javari Ritzy. I mean, you look at last year's stats... um, 74 total tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, uh, six sacks, 15 quarterback hurries, um, and was named first team All Central Piedmont. Uh, definitely comes into this year as one of the guys uh, that'll be a favorite to take home all uh, to take home conference defensive player of the year award. Unfortunately, he will have to fight off his teammate Ra Ra Dilworth. And one of the other big things that we've kind of been looking at with Ritzy in terms of what his commitment means for Carolina. Not only are they getting a really really good defensive lineman, but they're getting a guy that is going to be able to sell this Carolina class to other guys out there that are still maybe thinking about it on the edge. Guys like Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, who uh, we'll we'll be talking about a little bit here uh, in just a little while, but is a guy that we've seen kind of on and off interacting with a lot of the guys. And, um, you know, there's a couple other big name guys that are still out there like Tony Grimes and a few others. Do you think that you know, him landing in this class is is what could potentially give the Tar Heels the edge with some of these other guys that are still out there like an Ingram Dawkins or Grimes? I think it definitely helps. I think that sort of, um, you know, earlier in the winter and the spring when the 2021 class was still sort of um, developing an identity, getting out there, um, taking visits, things like that, when that was still available. Um, a lot of things that you'd hear um, from other you know, recruiting, recruiting guys in the state um, is that, you know, there are a few guys here or there that are just really charismatic, that are um, guys that, you know, other guys in the state and around the area want to play with. And Ritzy was one of those guys. I think that's part of the reason that you saw so many uh, Tar Heel fans wondering when he's going to get on board because, you know, he's a big personality. He's a guy that's going to help build your class. Um, so I definitely think that it helps. Um, I think specifically it probably helps you there on the defensive line with some of those targets that you mentioned and that we'll discuss later on, such as a Tyrion Ingram Dawkins or maybe even a Peyton Page. I mean, it, he's a guy that's really going to, you know, sell the idea of um, the place that he's going. He's obviously very passionate about it. He's in sense his commitment. He's, um, you know, it, it, this is where he wanted to be. This is his home, um, is North Carolina. So I, I really think that it helps. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the make or break for some of these guys, but, you know, as Carolina looks to fill these last few spots, I think that guys like Javari Ritzy, guys like Ra Ra Dilworth, Keyshawn Silver, Drake May, they're going to be huge in finishing up this class. And I think that they've already been huge in the guys that um, UNC has committed so far. And Carolina's class 
at the time of the commitment stayed fifth in the overall rankings. Now they've moved up to fourth with uh, the composite rankings uh, sort of being adjusted after the rivals, the new batch of rivals rankings was released the other day. Uh, guys that moved up uh, in those rankings, Keyshawn Silver, Raniria Dilworth, Power Eccles, all go up to four-star prospects. So Carolina still in the top five in terms of this 2021 class. And it's starting to look like there's a real chance that Carolina is going to finish up with at least a top 10 class, potentially even a top five class. And man, this we, we talked about it coming into, you know, when, when we started really turning our focus towards this 2021 class. At the time, Carolina had just one commit, and it was from the state of North Carolina and Dontavious Nash. He, of course, is still hanging on, but we talked about how this was a historic class, and if this, if there was a time for Carolina to really hammer home the build the fence around the state, it was going to be this year, and boy, have they done it. 14 of the 16 commits so far in the class are from the state of North Carolina, and Carolina's really had a hand in, in just about everybody's recruitment that is at the top of the state. Even guys that have gone elsewhere, like Will Shipley, like Evan Pryor, Carolina has been factors in these in these recruitments, something that in the past, it just really doesn't seem like they would have been. So uh, Carolina has taken a huge step in the right direction. Javari Ritzy was another one that kind of proves that at this point, Carolina is doing everything that they possibly can to lock down the state. It'll be interesting to see how the focus will shift next year when the state isn't quite as loaded, but you definitely expect that Mac Brown and his staff are going to continue to recruit this state hard, especially if they can uh, produce some really good results from these guys in their four years on campus. So uh, we move on, and we told you we were going to talk about Tyrion Ingram Dawkins a little bit, and I was thinking about it. What is the biggest need probably still remaining in this class for Carolina? You can kind of debate back and forth between tight end or defensive tackle, but I feel like defensive tackle right now definitely garners the most interest because when you look at it, Carolina's got three of the top players uncommitted at the defensive tackle spot that they are trying to hunt down at this point. They are right in the thick of their recruitments, and uh, it feels like all three of these guys Carolina has a chance at. So what I thought we would do is both me and Zach would look at the three guys in question and sort of give you who we would want out of those three, kind of rank them in the order in which we would want them. So the guys, of course, in question, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, uh, the very talented four-star defensive tackle out of Gaffney High School in Gaffney, South Carolina. Uh, then you have, of course, Peyton Page, uh, the guy that was a former five-star but now has fallen to a composite four-star uh, out of Dudley High School up in Greensboro, North Carolina, another big-time in-state guy. And then the last guy that we have to talk about is uh, Tyleek Williams, the four-star defensive tackle from the state of Virginia out of Stonewall Jackson High School in Manassas, Virginia. So uh, when you look at these three guys, I feel like you can't really go wrong with any of them. But when you look at them, how do you kind of stack them up and, and what's your reasoning behind why you would rank them one to three the way you do? Like you said, I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of these guys. These are all good guys that, um, you know, some of them project probably more as a, 
you know, strictly as a nose guard, while some of these guys, you know, have that versatility to, you know, kick outside on some packages or even stay, you know, at a defensive end position permanently, depending on how the staff wants to use them. And I think, you know, these three guys call it go all over the spectrum. Um, in terms of, you know, the highest raised guy on the list, that's Peyton Page. He's more of that um, traditional nose guard, nose tackle type, sort of a big, strong um, frame. Uh, really good at just putting weight in space and, you know, closing those running lanes in between the tackles. Um, but surprisingly enough, despite his ranking, I had him um, at last place for a few reasons. Um, there are, you know, some concerns, maybe not from college staffs per se, that have, you know, these plans for strength and conditioning. But there, you know, there are concerns about his lateral movement. There are concerns about, you know, his ability uh, to use his hands in the pass rush. There are concerns with weight and, um, you know, maintaining that and maintaining his motor, things along those lines. So there are some concerns there um, in terms of, you know, various things that would affect his, um, you know, effectiveness outside of, you know, just being a big body there in the middle and being a run stuffer. Um, And also uh, just the likelihood of his commitment, I think, is probably the lowest uh, Mm -hmm. at this point of the three. Um, Clemson, we've heard for a long time, has been, um, you know, one of the, um, you know, sort of the leader there we've heard that tennessee's kind of you know pushed a little bit and surged um sort of jostling with north carolina for the second and third spot going back and forth there so you know unless something radically different happens or depending on how long this recruitment goes i mean we've kind of heard that you know it's looking at a summer commitment and then we heard preseason so if it goes into the fall you know in that case it's a different story if it is a recruitment that um finishes here you know sort of in the summer relatively soonish before the season i think there's a pretty good chance it'll be the clemson tigers but you know curious to hear who you have sort of in your number three spot uh, i actually have the same guy uh I, I i really think that you hit the nail on the head with it there are some concerns when it comes to just really him keeping his weight down i mean he got up into the mid 360s this year um uh, and you know i if he's going to be that pure run-stopping defensive tackle, then maybe he can play somewhere near that way. You'd probably want to see him get down somewhere near 340, maybe even into the 330s, just because, as you said, the lateral movement is, is really a huge concern because what Carolina is going to need him to be is they're going to need him to be a two-gap run stuffer. He is going to take up space. Um, I mean, that's what he's going to be there to do. He's there to stop the run. Uh, As you mentioned, there's just not a ton there when it comes to any sort of pass rush help that you're going to get from him. His his size definitely hurts. Um, And, you know, you're going to kind of use him to try to help free up the other guys on your defense to get after the pass rusher. And that's fine. Um, You know, I think, as you mentioned, you know, when it comes to where Carolina is at with them, you know, it's kind of weird because it feels like Clemson's been a leader for him for a long time. And what I've been hearing from a lot of people, and I think this is kind of the, the the majority of the thought around him at this point, is that Clemson is kind of slow playing them. They maybe aren't as sold on him as they once were, 
Um, not to say that they still wouldn't take his commitment, but they might be looking at him and saying, let's see how long we can hold off before we have to really accept his commitment. Um, as for Tennessee, I mean, look, that class just added another guy the other day, uh, tight end Hudson Wolf. Um, so, I mean, they're they're really close to hitting their limit. Um, also, you know, they still they, they do have Katron Evans, uh, the big defensive tackle who committed there um, not too long ago, uh, I think back in April, actually. So, um, he's a highly rated prospect as well. I think if, if you do end up bringing Page in there, Evans potentially starts to look elsewhere because you're probably telling him that he's going to be your top guy that you're going to get at this class at defensive tackle. He's going to have the inside track, if anybody does, to get in there and start early. So, um, you know, I think Carolina is is definitely a little behind both of those teams, but I think if enough things were to break right, he could potentially land at Carolina. And then the other thing that I, I also want people to know about him, that from what I've heard, and again, I'm not a guy that has had any contact with him or uh, even some of the other prospects to really know, but um, it seems that from from some of the sources that I have, they've told me that um, his relationship with guys like Keyshawn Silver, Rod Dilworth, now Javori Ritzy, guys that kind of headline this class and that we've seen them making pushes to try to get these guys to become part of this, this, this class that's so special. They haven't really been reaching out to Peyton Page, and there's a reason for that because the relationships just really aren't that strong there is, is, is what they're apparently saying. So for that reason, I'm with you. I have him at number three on my list. Where are you going at number two on your list? So the next two are honestly a little bit closer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that Peyton Page was probably a, a clear number three for me, uh, but the next two are just a little bit closer in terms of you know not only their play style is a little bit closer, but they they were a little bit closer in terms of a want list. You're gonna you know pick a, a want list of these three. Um, at number two, I actually have um, a guy that we've mentioned several times in Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, uh, listed at number two eighty five in the nation out of Gaffney High School there in South Carolina um, and really has more of a longer frame uh, which allows him to sort of play all over the defensive line so they'll play him at you know the, the zero tech nose guard but he um, sometimes if they put him in a four man front they'll play him at, at sort of a you know a four three defensive tackle three tech sort of deal he'll play defensive end and really have some versatility there um, and one of the main things that I see in terms of his film is just a great length like I mentioned he's 6'5 and he has the arms you know to play that so with that if he wanted to play you know or if there was a need you know god forbid the two of these guys want to jump on board and they have another defensive end spot he could easily slot there if he wanted to play there um he's got great pass rush ability he's really quick as well Mm -hmm. um so you know if you were to play him from the nose tackle position it might not be um quite the run stuffer that you'd see from a peyton page but you know with the emphasis that we were seeing in uh modern college football on the passing game and on um, read option and rpos things like that having a guy that's such a strong pass rusher there from the center uh, can really be a game changer and I think that Tyrion Ingram Dawkins were he to come to Carolina you know and play the defensive tackle or nose guard position I think he'd be a big asset there just because he has a lot of these elite traits that you'd like to see um, from a modern interior pass rusher. 
Well, I hate to agree with you all the way, but I do have Tyrion Ingram Dawkins uh, there as well. Um, you know, I mean, you turn on the film of him, and, I, and I'm with you. It, it was a really tough decision between him and Tyleek Williams. Um, I, I really like uh, good quick release off the line of scrimmage. Um, really, the, the one of the things that I noticed that I liked about him best is he played a lot of defensive end. But he's really able to take advantage of the leverage that he's able to get. And that's something that Carolina really focused on this past year, especially with their defensive ends. But you also saw it with their defensive tackles, is establishing that inside leverage against guards and and if you're in the middle, a center. I think that could definitely help him uh, whenever he gets to Carolina, if he ends up becoming a Tar Heel commit. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you look at him, powerful hands, very impactful guy, uh, his upper body strength. I mean, you look at his frame and you wouldn't think that he's really as powerful as, as some of the other guys that we've already talked about, the other two guys um, that we have on our list. But um, he's, he's definitely a guy that has that flexibility that you talked about where he could play inside a defensive tackle, but he could also kick out to defensive end. And, you know, I I really want to focus on the defensive tackle part of it, though, because I feel like there are some people that when they put on his film, they've started to become concerned, is this a guy that could play defensive tackle? I know the reps, the reps are limited on film, and there's also been some, some questions as to whether he's got the frame. I mean, look, he's 298 pounds. I mean, granted, he's 6'5", so he's not... It's not quite as stocky as some of the other guys that are, you you could potentially have in the middle. But at 6'5", 298, he's still big enough to thrive at defensive tackle. And I think he would be fine. Um, I think he has the athleticism to become a two-gap uh, defender. I think it's going to take some time um, in order for him to become that guy if they need him uh, to be that type of defensive tackle on the line for Carolina. I mean, I think the best thing that you would hope for if he ends up committing to your class is that a guy like Clyde Pender emerges as that big guy in the middle that can take up space, stop the run, and it allows Ingram Dawkins, when he has to come in you know, on rotation, or even if you want to use him at defensive end, to sort of thrive with what he does best. But I think that's another, the, the thing that uh, is really good about Ingram Dawkins, no matter where he ends up, is he's a very solid pass rusher. So uh, that'll move us on to Tyleek Williams, who we both have at number one. What's the reasoning behind why you have him at number one? So I went back and watched film on all these guys today, and what I was really struck by with Tyleek Williams is he really, you know, strikes a good balance between Peyton Page and Tyrion Ingram Dawkins and how he um, plays, you know, the defensive tackle position. He's got that good frame. He has the weight, you know, needed to clog up um, the interior rushing lanes and, you know, the A-gap and, you know, stop stuff at the line of scrimmage. But he's also got pretty quick feet as well. He's really good at, you know, the lateral movement, good at, you know, moving around guys and moving in space um, sort of horizontally on the line of scrimmage. Um, in a pass rush setting, he was pretty slippery. He knows how to use his hands and, you know, use his hips as well. Uh, to move out of the way of um, offensive linemen, offensive guards and centers and tackles, um, and just move and get in the backfield, affect the play. Um, he's got great hand usage. You, you throw in his film, he's got several plays, either passes or you know field goals, um, where he's getting in the way of you know the football. He's either you know rushing. 
rushing towards the passer, putting his hand up, you know, batting down a pass, or he's batting down a field goal or extra point, which is really great to see um, that the guy has that awareness, you know, on the play, has that football acumen uh, to know where he needs to be and, and use the entirety of his body um, to affect the play. And uh, I think he's got a really good change of direction as well. So just when you, you know, you put on that film, you're seeing a good balance there. Um, in terms of his recruitment, I think he is probably the hardest um, target to nail as to where he's leaning. There's not a lot of information um, that we get out of Tyreek Williams. Um, I do know that UNC is, of course, in the mix. They are actively recruiting him. Um, some more local programs like Virginia Tech, Penn State, um, Maryland, Virginia, places like that are recruiting him. I know that there are you know, some of the national powers involved, so Alabama, Georgia, are maintaining interest and sort of keeping that warm. I don't know necessarily if um, sort of these national recruiters are pushing it for him quite like the local schools and like UNC is, but definitely an interesting recruitment and um, one that I'm interested to see how that moves forward. I feel like it's going to be one that sort of really doesn't get going until visits start up and Tyleek's you know, able to take visits and official visits to various um, football stadiums as available in the fall. But, um, you know, just overall in terms of defensive linemen, um, a guy that I would be really excited if he was on the Tar Heel commitment list. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, there's really a lot to like about him. Um, I, I think the best way to put it out of these three guys, definitely the most complete of the defensive tackles. He can do it all. Um, really, really good pass rusher out of the defensive tackle spot. And this is a guy that played, you know, he, he has enough athleticism to kick out to defensive end, but he played primarily inside. But the other thing is, is not only does he have the size at six, three and a half, 317. He also has the good lateral movement, the ability to know where he has to be. He could, you know, I I still think right now, probably a one gap run stuffer, but can become a two gap run stuffer, I think, uh, in time. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many things to like about him. I mean, the short area quickness is fantastic. A guy that can really get up to speed very quickly. Um, and he's one that I think, you know, if you look at him, just as as a as a guy when he first you know is in warmups, teams will probably look at him and say, "Well, this guy really probably isn't that athletic. He's not going to be a guy that's going to blow you away with his speed." They learn pretty quickly that that is definitely not the case. He runs down a couple of quarterbacks on film, um, and I mean he's going to be a problem no matter where he ends up getting after the passer, and then you know being able to to stop the run. You know he seems to, he he definitely controls the line of scrimmage well. Is not a guy that gets pushed back very often. Um, sort of utilizes his his strength, uh, you know, about as well as he can. I think there are some guys, um, some some bigger, more experienced guys in the ACC that could potentially give him trouble at times, but I, I think that there's definitely enough there where as it goes along, he's definitely got the the upper body strength and, and the knowledge of how to use that strength uh, to be able to have success. So, um, yeah, he's definitely the most complete prospect. When it comes to where we're at in his in, in his recruitment uh, for Carolina I mean I I mean it, it's weird because it feels like we're sort of getting closer to a commitment but at the same time we're probably going to see him take some official visits during the season um, and 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 there are some teams that could potentially jump in later on as of right now um, it, it seems like the three teams that are kind of ahead for him are Carolina uh 
Alabama is right there, as well as Virginia Tech. Um, Carolina and Virginia Tech are the two teams that I think everybody feels the most confident about. I think Alabama's going to make a push here pretty soon as well. I think the the hesitation with Alabama is, of course, uh, if they have other bigger prospects on the board, um, they could potentially be looking at them and, and, and looking at them as a take over Tyleek, leaving him um, sort of out in the cold if he ends up making them their leader. Um, so, you know, I, I think that as we start to see some of maybe the other targets for Alabama go off the board, um, whether that's to them or uh, to a different school, we're going to learn more about where they stand with him. Um, but I think there's definitely some time left in his recruitment. He's going to be the guy that I think out of these three will probably decide the latest. And I did want to update because we didn't do it with Tyrion Ingram Dawkins where he's at on his recruitment. Apparently, he is going to release a new top six. Some people thought that was going to come out tonight. As of right now, it's 9 o'clock, and we still haven't heard anything. He was kind of teasing that it was supposed to be around 8 o'clock. But if we, you know, if you know his recruitment, you know that this is kind of how it's been with him. It's a little all over the place. Uh, you know, there are some decisions that probably still have to be made. Um, you know, Carolina, I think, is in a, a pretty good spot with them. Uh, I think that not only did the commitment of Javari Ritzy play a big role, I think the J.J. Jones commitment really sort of resonated with him. A guy that is a fellow in-state player out of the state of South Carolina, saw him go to to, to Carolina, and J.J. Jones is a guy that's been trying to get him there ever since he's committed. So um, I think you know, Carolina's got a fighting chance in this one, but there are some other players that are still around. God, you know, teams like Florida State, who uh, we, we are, are, you know, thinking they're they're going to be a huge player here for a while going forward uh, for him, um, as well as uh, a couple of other teams that uh, I think just you know everybody's kind of discounting. Georgia is a team that's silently been um, maybe the leader for him. It's again really tough to get a read on him because kind kind of the opposite of Tyleek Williams. Tyleek Williams doesn't really give us a whole lot at all. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins gives us something new every single day, so we can't really get a read on exactly what he's feeling that day. But it feels like, in most people's minds, Georgia has just a slight lead over everybody else. Um, and then, of course, South Carolina. You can never count them out. They're the in-state team. Uh, they've done a really good job in his recruitment. They're hanging around. But um, I, I think that this is one that, again, you know, we got to keep an eye on this one at all times because you never really know. He's that type of guy that you feel out of the blue one day could just decide, I'm going to end up committing tonight. Make sure that you check it out. So um, it, it's one of those types of recruitments. And, and I think that's probably why also with Tyleek Williams, Williams, we feel a little bit more confident with him because we just know where you know his mind is at. He's going to take his time and make a decision, and uh, that's part of the reason that I have him number one as well. So uh, that wraps it up for for uh, that little segment that we have there. Uh, we want you guys, of course, to send in uh, who your top three are. You can send them to me on uh, social media at HTB Anthony. Also, make sure uh, to tag Zach on, in there as well because we'd love to see those at Hack Zubbard uh, two on Twitter. Uh, and then, of course, you guys can also uh, send those to us on the Facebook page as well. Uh, just search uh, Heel Tough Blog on Facebook, and you can send them that way. Um, so before we get out of here, I wanted to answer. There, there was uh, a, an account on Twitter that sent me a couple of questions. And... Um, 
I felt that these were some pretty good questions and they were worth at least bringing up on the podcast and maybe clearing some air if there are any other people out there that maybe have some questions as to what's going to happen in some of these other recruitments. Um, And the first question that was asked, of course, most people probably have seen it on social media this Saturday, Damian Wilson, the three-star inside linebacker from uh, in-state, Kings Mountain High School, same high school as Kobe Paysauer, who's committed to Carolina right now. He's going to make his decision. And uh, Carolina is seen as one of those teams that is is somehow still in the top five. Um, the question that I was asked was if Carolina still has any chance. I'm here to tell you that as of right now, the belief is that Carolina is not going to take him if he was to announce his commitment, uh, which of course means that he won't. Um, you know, he's in the top five, but I think that's really just a courtesy to Carolina because they've been in it for so long. They were the leaders for a while, but this one pretty much went out the window once Ra-Ra Dilworth committed. Um, that was kind of what, when we talked about it on the podcast, the end of the linebacker class, unless there was all of a sudden just a superstar guy that jumped out, or if there was a spot remaining open uh, at the end of the cycle uh, because they didn't quite land some of the other major targets that they have. Um, It feels like he'll probably go elsewhere, Kentucky, Missouri, NC State, figure to be the three that he's deciding between and as of today looked like NC State was the leader for a while there after Carolina sort of fell off looks like it's down to the two SECE schools Missouri or Kentucky and in a lot of people's minds it's possibly Missouri but um, I feel like the biggest thing that we have to take away from this is that Carolina will not land a commitment from Damian Wilson Uh, they will kind of live with the group that they have at linebacker and uh, I'm wondering Zach is that how you feel as well yeah it is I think that's sort of what we discussed um, previously when we discussed the Ra Dilworth commitment was you know there was potential for a third linebacker in the class potentially from Damian Wilson it looks like at this time uh, obviously it's not going to be him and it, it may not be anyone I think that they like the group that they have I think that they have gotten good commitments over um, you know few cycles and then this cycle as well I mean you look at um, Ra-Ra and Power Eccles sort of at the inside linebacker position both guys that have risen um, over the past few days with updates with the um, rivals class as well as the 247 side of it so you know I don't think that you know you could as a target fan I don't think that you'd want you know any other two guys at your inside linebacker position so while there may be some numbers concerns from some fans, I think Carolina will be fine um, if they don't get Damian Wilson. I think Damian Wilson will be fine going to one of these SEC powers. So I think it's you know one of those situations where there was interest there at some point, but um, now both parties are going their separate ways, and that's okay. Well, there was another question that was asked from the same account on social media, this one actually coming in uh, just a little while ago earlier today, and it also involved another guy that we saw Carolina recruiting at, at, at inside possibly could use him at outside linebacker, sort of that hybrid linebacker spot. Uh, Bryce Steele, as well as running back target, uh, former running back target at least, uh, Evan Pryor. And the question was if Carolina is still maybe trying to push to flip these guys. Um, And how I could best answer this in terms of Bryce Steele, there is absolutely no chance that they are pushing to land Bryce Steele. Um, it doesn't have really much to do with, uh, with with the staff not really wanting him. Again, 
the position's very limited there um, because I think that most people also kind of forget that they still have Gabe Stevens, uh, Gabe Stevens in this class who is going to play outside linebacker. That's the position that he's probably going to end up. Um, so he's an, a third guy in this class that joins those two guys that you talked about in Ra-Ra Dilworth and Power Eccles. And the other thing that's kind of gone south for him in terms of him having some sort of desire to flip to Carolina, the relationships with the guys in this class are very, very frayed. They are not very good since he decided to sort of slow play his commitment to Carolina and Carolina ended up backing off. We've seen some tweets from guys like Keyshawn Silver, guys like Ra-Ra Dilworth, um, sort of, you know, pointing towards him subtly. Some of them actually tagging him in there, um, saying that, you know, they don't want people who are not 100% on board or who are not 100% sold, who want to wait it out. Um, So to answer that one, uh, quite frankly, there is uh, not a good chance at all that Bryce Steele will be a part of this class. I would be extremely shocked. Um, As for Evan Pryor, I think this is a little more of an interesting sort of question because I think there is a chance that Carolina could end up flipping him uh, as we get later on into the year. really just depends on maybe if another prospect pops up for Ohio State. Um, It still feels like Carolina is going to make that push. I don't know if they end up actually flipping him because at this time it seems like uh, Evan Pryor is still very solidly committed to Ohio State. Um, There's nothing pointing to the fact that he's looking at Carolina, um, but I I don't think that the staff is going to stop pushing for him. I don't think that guys that are already committed in the class are going to stop pushing for him. Guys like Drake May, uh, Gavin Blackwell have really good relationships with him. So um, I think he is definitely an, an, an interesting name to keep an eye on. If he was to sort of be open to the idea of a flip, well, Carolina has kind of closed the door on offering any other running back prospects in this class. It feels like, you know, as of right now, they're going to roll with the combination of Camaro Edmonds as well as one of the other two athletes that they've got committed in the class besides Gabe Stevens and uh, either DeAndre Boinkins or... Caleb Hood uh, at running back. Uh, I think as of right now, most people believe they're going to go with Hood there and move Boinkins to, uh, to to sort of a nickel corner spot where we think he'll thrive really well. Um, but if Evan Pryor showed any sort of of uh, willingness to flip, I think Carolina would immediately open a spot for him. And I think it's definitely something that's worth keeping in the back of your mind, but is is not something that I think at this point Carolina fans should be banking on. Is that kind of how you feel with, with those two guys as of right now? Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I pretty much agree, you know, in terms of both guys. Bryce Steele, I don't think that they were looking to accept a commitment at the time when he committed. Um, like I said, same thing with Damian Wilson. I mean, they have two guys that not only the staff is really high on, but that I am really high on at the inside linebacker position. So I think they're good um, if they wanted to take another. And there's any chance of that, you know, crazier things have happened. But, you know, with these sort of, like you mentioned, um, frayed relationships in terms of the staff and uh, fellow commits with uh, Bryce Steele. I don't think that's going to happen. In terms of Evan Pryor, um, I would not project a flip. Same as before, crazier things that happen. There is never a never in recruitment um, unless there is some sort of um, 
academic issue or an NCAA violation. Kids change their mind all the time. Um, there's 17, 18 year olds. That's just how it goes. That's you know part of the fun of recruiting. But um, I wouldn't project a flip at this time. Um, at the time of his commitment, you know Ohio State was lacking in healthy running backs. They're going to need guys like Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson um, that they also have committed. So is Carolina still remaining, you know, in contact with guys like Evan Pryor or even a Will Shipley? I'm sure they are. Um, any coaching staff would do that. If there's any availability, they're going to continue to recruit um, that player unless um, the kid shuts down communication um, or, you know, the staff finds someone that they would prefer. Um, so, absolutely, I think the staff's going to stay in contact. Is there a chance um, that Evan Pryor would flip? I'm not going to say that there is a 0% chance. I'm not going to predict it, though. Um, so that that's really sort of where I stand at this time. Mm-hmm. I think Carolina likes who they have, as you mentioned, with uh, Kamara Edmonds and then, you know, uh, potential for Caleb Hood or DeAndre Boykins. Um there at the running back position so I think that you know a flip would be great if there was a spot available and the interest was there Uh, but I think it's another you know another position another um, situation where I think Carolina likes what they have and I don't think that it's really you know a necessity that they go out and get Evan Pryor. All right, so that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Make sure you guys head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com, to check out uh, Javari Ritzy's commitment article. That's up there, as well as uh, it's a ton of other great stuff. Of course, uh, we got an article that we wrote up for you last night uh, and released this morning uh, on the six-week preseason that was put in place by the NCAA Division One Council yesterday. So a huge step in the right direction for those hoping that the team will be playing football in the fall. Um, It looks like there is going to at least be an opportunity or at at the least that the NCAA is doing everything that they can to try to get it done uh, during the fall and have all of their guys play. Um, And of course, we'll have you covered with everything on that going forward on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Also, some great stuff on there about the basketball team. Make sure you guys go back, check out our underappreciated starting five. That was a really great article that we did, a collaborative article uh, with me, Josh, and our newest writer, Mark Kring. So make sure you guys go and check that out on the website as well. Go back, check out some of the older editions of the podcast. Um, you can do that on any of the major platforms and make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe so that you don't miss any of the editions of the podcast. Uh, some of those editions that you can go back and check out some great interviews with former players, guys like quarterback Chris uh, Kildorf from the mid-90s. Uh, we just had co- uh, wide receiver Corey. Corey Bailey on, and we've got some other great interviews coming up, including a former uh, uh, Tar Heel defensive end and a guy that still ranks as the top sack artist in program history, Greg Ellis, who we talked to. Uh, that will be coming up soon on the podcast feed, so make sure that you guys are subscribed so that you don't miss any of that. So, once again, want to thank uh, Zach for stopping by tonight, co-hosting with me and breaking down everything Tar Heel recruiting. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels!